Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Good morning, everybody. Steve Splonskowski here coming to you live from Abbey of the Hills in Marvin, South Dakota. And I'm hosting today with Deacon Paul Trine. And good morning, Deacon. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing today? What a blessing to be here. Yes, it's great to be here with you, too. It was raining a little bit earlier, Deacon. And uh, you were here, maybe you're hearing the bells in the background. You're going to hear those every 15 minutes here at Abbey of the Hills in Marvin, South Dakota. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, but we got a, a wonderful show lined up for you folks today. And we hope that you'll stick with us and uh, journey with us mm. during this Real Presence Live show. Um, we're going to give you a, a quick update here in a minute, but this is a first, many firsts this morning. Um, as you know, it's July 1st, so there's our first first. Um, and this is our first time hosting from Abbey of the Hills in Marvin, South Dakota. Also later, you're going to hear our first segment of Honor Our Fathers, which we'll talk about a little later. And coming up this week, there's going to be a number of very exciting segments as we go Monday through Friday, Real Presence Live across the whole network. So folks, thanks for tuning in and thank you for your feedback at uh, yourcatholicradiostation.com. But before we go any further, Aaron, what do we have coming up for today? Thank you very much, Steve. Coming up on the show today, we have Dr. Marcy Moran from the Catholic Family Services talking about healing and hope while grieving the loss of a loved one due to homicide. We'll also have Father Michael Wenzing during our Straight Talk segment. Then coming up in the second hour, we'll have Bridget Klusner of the Seven Sisters Apostolate to talk about praying for a specific intention. We'll hear more about that. Then in the second hour, we will have Shauna Hansen here to talk about the Ambassadors for Christ. And finally, we'll have Father Brandon Wolf to talk about being newly ordained to the priesthood. All is coming up here on Real Presence Live. Right back to you guys. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate that. Aaron's manning the board back there in Fargo, and Brandon's sitting across the table from me. Got this all set up for us. He and I drove down this morning to Marvin. And uh, before we go any further, Deacon, why don't you, uh, let's start in prayer. All right. In the name of the Father, the Son, yeah. the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask your Holy Spirit to come down upon us here in Marvin at the Abbey and uh, across these airwaves that your holy will may be done, um, that your merciful heart may be felt and heard and proclaimed, and that... Um, what we do today gives you honor and glory and helps us to love our neighbor as ourselves. We pray this through the intercession of our Blessed Mother. And in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Now, Deacon, tell us a little bit about yourself. We've got a couple minutes here before we visit with Dr. Marcy Moran. You're a deacon in the Diocese of New Ulm. Yeah, and picture, picture if you would, Steve, a professional radio announcer. That's not me, okay? <laughs> That's not me. And, and I find it quite ironic and actually quite humorous that I'm here right now. But I am. Yeah, I've been ordained uh, seven years. I've been blessed. It's, it's one of those things that that's, most things in the world are oversold and underdelivered. Being a deacon is undersold, and it's overdelivered in the joys and, 
and uh, just the the meaning of my life, the fabric and the meaning of my life in in being a deacon. So I'm blessed to do that. I've done that in my area faith communities of uh, of Madison and Ortonville, Graceville and Rosen, Minnesota, in the New Ulm Diocese. But I work over here in the Sioux Falls Diocese in uh, as as the director, the executive director of the Abbey of the Hills. I've been doing that for about five years. So. Yeah, and so it's funny, I, I was talking to Steve before we started, and I said, this is actually the second time we've done that, and he remembered once, he traveled two hours to, to Sioux Falls, I traveled two hours down to Sioux Falls, so we could be on the radio station That's right. at 7 a.m., Yep. and your son was there. Yes, and, I think it was uh, Gregory was there, with or we, no, Stefan was with me that time. Yeah, 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 and then there, there was some other, um, I remember, uh, there was a couple other guys that were there, I think, uh, Mr. Klein from down there, um, and then... Yep. Um, and then uh, Matt Altoff was there with his yep. two daughters. They were going right. they were heading to to pray the rosary or something beforehand. But there was yep. that uh, the chancellor down there. It was just a beautiful morning. Yeah, so. they let us in prayer. That was our first live drive, yeah. um, and that was last spring. So just a little little more than a year ago. And uh, so here we are again. Yeah. And uh, we're hoping that we'll be coming to you live, folks, from Abbey of the Hills on a regular basis. What is it, Brandon? Uh, once a quarter, we'll be coming to you live. Uh, next time you hear us here, it'll probably be Heather hosting with mm-hmm. Deacon Trinan. Um, and uh, so great to be with you. We're going to, uh, uh, folks, we're going to turn now to a conversation um, that's going to be a little more serious. And, uh, and we're going to talk with Dr. Mar- Marcy Moran a little bit about grieving the loss of a loved one due to homicide. Good morning, Dr. Moran. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. So let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, actually, let's, let's, let's start here. You, so you are the clinical director of the Catholic Family Services in Sioux Falls. Uh, what, is this, the, what does this entail? Well, it entails the fact that we operate a small mental health center, and then we've also established a grief center. So we have a lot of programs for people who are grieving a loss of some type. And some of them are actually six weeks in time or longer. Some of them are groups, some are individual, kind of, de- kind of depending on the, the needs of the person. Dr. Moran, this is Deacon Paul Trinan at the Abbey, and I know you've been up here and you've done grieving outreaches to, to, to try to interact yeah. with people throughout the diocese. This is a little bit more stronger than an average grief uh, I don't want to say retreat, but a, a program. It's it's yes. it's due it's due to the loss of a loved one from homicide. How did that right. come about? How did how did you say boldly, we need to do this? Well, it sort of started out with um, people calling our agency. First of all, wanting programs for loved ones who had ended their life from suicide. And so we began that program first. It filled up quickly, believe it or not, and um, continues to be full. And then we have had calls and requests for a program for loved ones who've lost someone to homicide. And we put, worked and put that program together. I wasn't expecting too many to that. Yeah. But the first year we had five, and now this year we have ten people participants in that program. So I think it's one that we will continue to offer as there seems to be more individuals affected by a crime like that. 
Well, there's different stages of grief, uh, even in the least egregious way to die uh, through natural means. But in a homicide, there must be even more unique stages of grief. Can you describe s- some of the uniquenesses of a, a homicide death and the grieving well, processes? Well, one of the things that surprised me the first time was how the anger, the depth of the anger that they have, that doesn't seem to go away. Um, sometimes in normal, when we lose a loved one to cancer or another illness, we sort of work that through. But when the when your loved one has been murdered, it's like, how dare someone take that life of an individual, of my loved one? How dare they do that? And their anger is severe and to the point that we've worried that they threaten to go to the courtroom and, and shoot the person or <laughs> do something back to them. But the anger is intense, as well as the fear. They fear for other members of their family. They fear for themselves. Sometimes it's really not um, any fear that's based on anything, but their emotions are even more heightened than what I've seen with other individuals who are who are grieving. Absolutely, and, and so Dr. Moran, we, you know, when it, I know for myself and a lot of times with grief, we kind of like have the sense of, well, I just got to get over it. Um, I need to move on. But there is actually a process to grieving. Can you talk to us a little bit about that grieving process? Certainly. Um, When their feelings are strong, you know, they need to express them. They need to get them validated. They need to have people listen to them over and over. And then they start to move on to how could I memorialize my loved one? What are some of the things I could do to remember him or her? Uh, how do I pray about them, and and where do I talk to them again? And sometimes it's at church and at cemetery. <clears throat> but with homicide, it seems to go on for a long, long time because they carry this anger up through the trial and through the sentencing, and sometimes hearings are postponed, and it could go on for years. And I've had several individuals in private grief counseling, which has been two or three years, and the case has still not been settled. Mm -hmm. And until it's settled, they don't begin to process through the feelings and the emotions like they they should. It's a serious trauma. It's more Mm -hmm. serious than other losses. So, Dr. Moran, how does that... You, you you have a six-week program through Catholic Family Services. Explain mm-hmm. how the Catholicity of that program comes out versus, oh, let's just say a secular program that wouldn't have mm-hmm. a Catholic identity or have Catholic base to it. What separates those from each other? Well, we start out with um, general knowledge and information about grief, what what they could expect, the manifestations of grief. And then we thread in the spiritual aspect by having a priest or a member of the clergy speak one evening on the spiritual aspects of grieving. And then we use that to kind of be part of our continuation with the grieving process. And we move on to... being able to identify the reality of the loss and look at 
how significant it is to them, how it changes them, what they can do for themselves to heal themselves and their family members. And oftentimes that has to do with spiritual aspects. We are very ecumenical, so at times I do have individuals in that program who are not religious, who do not have a religion. And um, it's more difficult for them because they they don't understand how that works. And sometimes they're willing to do some individual counseling with a, a priest or a deacon. We're visiting right now with uh, Dr. Marcy Moran talking about the grieving process, but especially the grieving process due to homicide. Steve Splonskowski here along with Deacon Paul Trinan. We're coming to you live from Abbey of the Hills in Marvin, South Dakota. And, uh, you know... <clears throat> Dr. Marcy, the, Dr. Moran, it's uh, uh, you're talking. You were talking recently here just about how the, you know the, the process, the grieving process, really gets extended because there's no closure with uh, with this. Uh, you know, these, the situation with homicide is going through the courts, and so it's probably even in the public sphere, and it's coming up. And there's no there's there's no justice yet, I suppose, and maybe even in some right. cases, there really the the family members really feel there is no justice. That's um, exactly is there, right. Mm-hmm. And, is there a movement at some point? Is there kind of a movement towards trying to understand mercy, um, and and that in, in this process? Well, at some for some individuals, I think that works. Not necessarily for everyone. I remember a young man whose son was shot to death in, in a car, and he could not get past the anger and the guilt that he felt himself for letting his son go out that evening and the anger that he had for this other person who shot him just um, instantly for no reason at all, or it seemed like no reason at all. And one of the problems, I think, is that they they get stuck in this anger phase and this wanting to punish the other person. Mm-hmm. And sometimes our spiritual part of our program helps them with that forgiveness kind of thing. It, it, it's like they're re-traumatized again than when the person is not sentenced to a long jail time. (laughs) And so then they're angry about that again. But if we can help them to find some some way to remember them. You know, we never talk about closure in a program like that. We talk about adjustment. And our goal is to help them adjust to this change, the loss of their loved one, the traumatic loss of their loved one. Mm. And we help them actually do trauma counseling with them at this point because it's such a serious, serious injury to their self-esteem and to their their whole way of life. If somebody, Dr. Moran, if somebody, you know, I always think, even as a deacon myself, I've come across families that have lost loved ones for sure, and even through suicide, but I've never experienced that in a homicide. I'm more rural than maybe you are down in the Sioux Falls area, but still, that unfortunately doesn't have boundaries. How do you, would you say to somebody, a layperson, to respond to uh, someone who's had that uh, happen in their family? How 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 to love them through that or help them? What would you recommend? Well, I know that sometimes we have worked with individuals when they get through the final parts of the grieving process, which is understanding uh, all of human nature and understanding how 
it can work sometimes in certain situations mm-hmm. and being able to forgive in spite of how traumatized they are. Uh, it might be a, a, a step towards, rec- re- towards adjustment. There are people in this community that I will, will come on the television and scream about their anger yet, but we are never able to get them in our program. I know some individuals for years that have not ever resolved anything. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how you can force them to do that, but it has ruined their lives and the lives of their family members. So it's like, you know, it's a real emotional scar that has to take time. And a lot of education helps them, I think. But sometimes um, the, the spiritual person and I work close together so that they're able to sometimes vent their emotions um, to him or to her mm-hmm. so they aren't always bringing it to the group, you know, because sometimes other people in the group have moved a little further along. Excellent. And we don't want to pull them back. Well, uh, Dr. Moran, thank you so much for being on with us this morning. We want to uh, yeah. call everybody's attention to this this. Uh, a retreat that's coming up. It's a grieving a loss of a homicide um, in a six-week program beginning June 4th. Um, well, actually, yeah, in 20... Oh, actually, it's already yeah. begun. Um, we're we're and moving through it now. Yep, right. we're moving through it now. Can people still join you, Dr. Moran, or is it kind of in the process? Well, it's a closed group. Okay, it's a closed group. when we get started, we, we have certain goals with the process that okay. it's too hard to catch people up. But yeah. Absolutely. We so always wh- have in individual and family counseling available, too. Absolutely. So they can always start out in an individual basis. Wonderful. So let's keep those folks in prayer who are going through this this program right now um, um, and, and join them as family. And for more information, you can visit sfcatholic.org. Dr. Moran, thank you for being with us this morning. You're very welcome. Oh, thank, thank you. God bless you. Yeah. Uh, we're looking forward to having you back again. Dr. Moran, coming up next, do right. you have a question about the faith or anything about the world around us? Get those questions ready for straight, the Straight Talk segment, and later hear about a beautiful lay apostolate in the Winona, Rochester area. All this and more right here on Real Presence Live. We'll be back right on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live is now coming to you five days a week, bringing you new hosts including Father Paul, Father John, and Joe Rutten, Father Craig Vosick, Father Tim Buren, and Father Kyle Metzger from brand new locations including the University of Mary in Bismarck, Mount Marty College in Yankton, South Dakota, and the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. If you're looking for hope, tune in to Real Presence Live, where you'll hear positive and inspirational stories weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. The only things hotter than the summer heat are the rates to run radio spots on the RPR network. That's not all. The signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio, and I want to help you grow your business in front of a very faithful customer base. Don't wait. Call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. 
One very important parish will receive special treatment at the 2020 Built Upon a Rock Fest, including catered lunch on the concert day, meet and greet with the bands, and a special preview performance. Built Upon a Rock Fest is grateful for parish support and wants to give back. All sponsoring parishes will be entered into a drawing, and the VIP will be drawn on stage at the concert on September 14th. For details, check out builtuponarockfest.com. Builtuponarockfest.com. Real Presence Live is now coming to you five days a week, bringing you new hosts, new locations, and brand new segments, including Heart of Your Legacy, where, as the name suggests, we get at the heart of giving and how you can leave a lasting legacy, and Honor Our Fathers, where you send us the names of your favorite priests, and we offer special recognition and a dozen donuts to one each week. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live, weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. This is Real Presence Live, where the devil is dumb, Christ is king, and the Catholic faith is taking the place of secular living as the lifestyle of choice. Hey folks, Steve Sponskowski coming to you live from Abbey of the Hills in Marvin, South Dakota, along with Deacon Paul Trinan, and this is our new segment of Honor Our Fathers. And so what we've done is asked you to nominate the priests, the fathers in your life, the spiritual fathers in your life, as we know, as Catholics, we see our priests as our spiritual fathers. And so we want to honor our fathers. We have so many great priests across our listening area, really trying to guide us to that closer relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so in this time of struggle in the church, which is, okay, in, we just the, the history of the church has been struggle because guess what? We're human beings and there always will be struggle. But guess what? We also have hope in Jesus Christ. And so we want to look for the hope in our own backyard because there's a lot of hope in our backyard. And that comes from our own, our fathers, our spiritual fathers. And so we've, uh, you, many of you have sent in your, your names of the, the fathers in your life who have guided you um, in this earthly journey, this pilgrimage. And so we would like to now honor our this our father uh father dennis schaefer of the diocese of bismarck he's the pastor of st lawrence in flasher um st Teresa in carson and st gertrude in raleigh uh north dakota and uh, so his name was entered along with a, a bunch of other names and and uh, we drew his name we'll continue to do this every week so send in uh the priest the the father that we you would like to honor and so we have uh a note from valeria who has uh who entered father into this, uh, I don't want to call it a competition, this, uh, <laughs> this thing <laughs> that we're doing. Um, and so Valeria says, uh, father is actually on vacation this week. He's visiting his sister, um, sister Jean Louise. Um, but we wish him a happy birthday on his birthday is July 3rd. So father, but here's a message that Valeria shared with us. She said, I have a couple things to say about father. He is a true shepherd. He is celebrating his 30th Jubilee as a priest this summer. And even when he is on vacation, he takes time to attend burials, drive out and, and, and of the state to help friends, and have mass and adoration because he, wouldn't, he would miss it if he didn't. She said, when my dad came to live with me seven years ago, I introduced him to Father after mass. The next week, Father shook his hand and called him by his name. As we walked home, my 82-year-old dad turned to me and smiled and said, he knew my name. Hmm. I think, she said, I think Father's motto is come. He says, come to church. Come to Mass, come to confession, come to adoration, come to the stations, come to Jesus, come to God, come and get ready for everlasting life. 
and she said, out of three parishes, their three parishes are so blessed to have a Father Dennis as their shepherd. And so, Father, we would like to honor your service, um, your answer to the call of the priesthood, and we're going to honor that. It's a tiny token. We're going to have uh, send you a dozen donuts from the local area uh, and to, to have and to share. Mm-hmm. Um, just a token of our appreciation for your great service as a spiritual father. The first word that she used to describe her parish priest just struck me so much. She said, he is a true shepherd. And it reminds me of what Pope Francis said, that we're, especially us in the clergy, are called to be shepherds and smell like our sheep. Mm. And I probably shouldn't hit the, the, um, the seat when I do that. That's probably That's not okay. a good radio thing. <laughs> but to smell like our sheep. And then she goes on to describe that, how it affects her 82-year-old dad, who's just new, and come, come, inviting, inviting, evangelizing to come. And then the last line that she used, come and get ready for everlasting life. What a beautiful, what a beautiful tribute. Thank you, Father Dennis. Thank you to everybody that responded to this new, uh, new opportunity Absolutely. to spread the calories of donuts. And we're, <laughs> folks, we're, gonna <laughs> we're, we're not doing this to help out the bakeries in the local area, but no, that's no. okay. And, and actually, these donuts are being donated by a local business um, for this. And, uh, okay, and it's actually my wife. Um, I, I don't have the script on that in front of me, but uh, f- it's, uh, she's donating this for this event. Um, and but if your business would like to underwrite that um, this honoring our fathers, uh, let us know. But also uh, continue to put your names, uh, the names of the priests who have a positive effect on your life, uh, up on our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com. Let's uh, talk a little bit more, uh, Deacon, about Abbey of the Hills. Yeah. Uh, some of the events. So so if uh, people are looking for a place to have a uh, retreat a uh, family gathering. Uh, uh, talk, talk to us about what you do here. You know, I always, th- we were talking about this off air. It is such a big geographic footprint for you guys from the middle of Wisconsin out towards Gillette and beyond and Wyoming and North and South Dakota. Um, the Abbey of the Hills probably isn't re- somebody that, that you guys know, but it used to be a Benedictine Abbey run by Benedictine monks up until about five years ago. They, sh- they shut down, and now it's been turned into this nonprofit. And it, it's an outreach or an apostolate that reaches out in terms of um, uh, spiritual retreats and um, family reunions. Um, and we're also doing um, musical and um, artistic types of things. We're going to have a big concert coming up on July the 21st. Uh, a Christian band called Unspoken, who may be recognized by folks on Rapid City. They're just coming back from Hills Alive out there and heading back to Nashville. We're blessed enough to have them come on July 21st. We're going to do a 5 p.m. concert um, that will be open to the public. Very, very neat thing, outdoor Mm -hmm. concert here in the beautiful grounds of the Abbey. So we'll push the deer and the wild turkeys aside and, and invite folks to come to the Abbey. Well, well, they can join the concert too, right? Wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, but a lot of the deers around here don't sing on on key just oh. right. So <laughs> they could dance though, right? They can. Yeah, <laughs> it's a beautiful area, folks. When Brandon and I were pulling in this morning, we passed five deer. There were like three fawns and a couple of does, and uh, scampering across the road. And uh, it was, it's a beautiful area. 
Uh, we got the, some heavy rain this morning, but now it's kind of lightened. We we actually have the windows open behind us and hear the birds. And Beautiful the area. And the bells. Yep, and the bells every 15 minutes. So uh, if you're looking for more information on Abbey of the Hills, it's abbeyofthehills.org. A great uh, opportunity to have a retreat, to have a family gathering, a business gathering, a Christmas party, whatever you will, um, a beautiful area, and a great opportunity for, thanks for letting us be here with you, Deacon. It uh, is our pleasure, really. We're honored to have you. We really are. uh, Cool. All right, that's abbeyofthehills.org. And folks, uh, so again, we're talking here a little bit about, we were just talking about Honor Our Fathers, and the Honor Our Fathers donuts were brought to you by Jacinta Splonskowski of Town & Country Realty, serving the Fargo and Moorhead and surrounding area. For more information, you can call her at 701-388-3948. And if you would like to underwrite the Honor, your Honor Our Fathers segment, you can call 877-795-0122. We really want to do this for as long as you all want to do it. So as long as you keep putting the names in of our beloved priests, who are such a beautiful example of Christ in our lives, uh, we want to continue to honor them. I always think of priests, I always put them in a category, and and I've actually put you in this category. We've got a, a guest priest coming in in a few minutes. But I always say, I don't say they're my favorite priest because I'd get into trouble, but I always say they're my t- one of my top three priests of all time. Hmm. And I've got about 30 or 40 of them that are actually in that, but I can say that with some wiggle room. And yeah, yeah. So, Go ahead. Well, you can say it with some wiggle, with some wiggle room because... You know, then people aren't saying, oh, I'm his top one. <laughs> but um, there's so many top three priests, and, and Father Dennis just sounds awesome. Um, he's serving those people uh, over in the middle of the state of North Dakota. I, I looked up, it was a little bit southwest of the Bismarck area, about a half an hour or so. And these rural parishes are just blessed to have great, great priests. So thank you, Father Dennis. And thank you, Valerie. Valeria. Valeria. Yeah. Thank you, Valeria, for... Um, um, for calling in and writing in and and uh, recognizing what a gift he is. So Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so uh, folks, 877-795-0122. If you want to call in, and uh, you can also go on your our, your com and enter your priests into honor our fathers. And if you have any questions, don't be afraid to give us a call or send us a note also there. Um, so also, as you can hear, sounds like somebody's dialing the phone or... Or it's Straight Talk, and so that phone number also is 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122. We're going to be here with you until 9.57 to answer your questions, but guess what? You don't have to listen to me answering because I'll probably do it wrong. Um, the deacon would probably do well, but uh, we're going to turn to Father Michael Wensing, who is in studio with us. Good morning, Father. Good morning. How are you doing today? Wonderful. That rain was uh, beautiful, but we're plenty wet yeah yeah um i guess the lord knows what we need i'm not sure why he does what he does sometimes oh it, it, the lawns love it yeah the lawns love it so and our lawnmowers well you know they need something to do i guess so mm. if you have a questions you can call into 877-795-0122 or you can uh, send your question into us via facebook real presence uh radio at facebook um is there any other way brandon uh, you can uh, go to our website and send in a question any way you want. We'll get you the question. Uh, get the question to your Father Michael Wensing, 877-795-0122 is the quickest way. Father uh, Wensing, talk to us a little bit about, about, so where are you at right now? 
holy name of Jesus Parish in, in Watertown, uh, okay. South Dakota, which is about 35 miles from here. Uh, in the, the, my, I was born there, so I, I'm still uh, honoring the fourth commandment because dad's alive. I'm power of attorney. He's 95. So I, it was part of the reason I got assigned there to take care of my parents in their final years of life. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I've, I've been all over the diocese in my assignments in Sioux Falls, and I was on a faculty at North American College in Rome for a while, and then Mount St. Mary Seminary in, in Emmitsburg, Maryland, where I was professor of Old and New Testament and formation of seminarians. We had about 21 priests uh, ordained from Mount St. Mary's until we uh, moved again back to uh, our main uh, seminaries in uh, in the Minneapolis St. Paul, St. John Vianney and St. Paul Seminary, although we do use IHM Seminary and a few other seminaries around the country, and we always tend to have a couple of men in Rome. Now, that's great. You're a worldwide priest. You've done some wonderful things. But back in the late 70s, weren't you the vocations director for the diocese? 19... And didn't you go down to, to Yankton, South Dakota, and talk to a young man named Paul trying, trying to pull him into the priesthood? 1979 to 1982. <laughs> yes, I remember that. And uh, what a great gift. I come full circle back to South Dakota, to Watertown, and guess who's uh, uh, the man of the Abbey? He's a deacon now, mm-hmm. and uh, he gave his life to God in a, in a vocation of marriage and a permanent deacon. The influence yeah. of Father was awesome. And, 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 and don't think that anybody out there, that if, 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 you're in, if you're trying to influence a young man or woman towards a religious life, and that doesn't happen immediately, that those are unfruitful conversations. They're fruitful. They're fruitful. Sometimes they take um, years to mature and germinate, if you would. But, oh, it's just so good to, to come back again and, and reconnect. And, and he's great around here at the Abbey. He is my go-to guy. If I have any concerns or diocesan concerns or uh, need some help, he is always there for us. So, All right. Well, Father Michael Wensing is here for you, too, at 877-795-0122 or on Facebook. Send us your questions. Uh, and let us know what you're looking for. Now, Father, you said you were an instructor in Old and New Testament. Correct. So people have questions on the Old and New Testament. Um, You can probably answer some of those questions, or maybe all of them, um, or at least give us some direction. And let me, me, since we just finished the segment, and I know we have not just just our Catholic brethren, uh, brothers and sisters listening to Real Presence Radio, but also some of our non-Catholic brothers and sisters. And... uh, I want to start out with a little question, if you don't mind. Um, we just did a segment called Honor Our Fathers, and obviously many of our uh, non-Catholic brothers and sisters say, you know, Christ says, call no man father. But as Catholics, we understand that in a different light. Uh, when Christ says, call no man father, he, he didn't say, you know, so why do we call, still call our priests father if Christ says that? Do you have some in, insight on that? <laughs> you know, the context of, uh, of that statement was to call uh, no man father, but it said, call no one teacher, call no one rabbi. And no one runs around and says, I'm never going to call you teacher in the classroom. Mm-hmm. It's been, a, unfortunately, a very much, I used to call it a fundamental attack question to kind of set up uh, Catholic people, catch them off guard, because they never say, uh, we're, never gonna t- we're not going to tell the Jewish people, to call, don't you be calling your leaders rabbi. They, it never comes up. It's only just one uh, portion of the three. But then, of course, they neglect St. Paul, who himself was celibate. But he talked about himself being a spiritual father to uh, to his people, the ones that he had evangelized or even baptized or had laid hands upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said uh, he had these spiritual children. And it's in that uh, 
very same spirit of St. Paul that we assume the same kind of fatherhood or hopefully can be um, uh, honoring that fatherhood that St. Paul and the other apostles and their successors, bishops and priests down to this day, that uh, that's a fundamental nature of our our life and vocation is to father people into the faith, father people into the sacraments, father people into the kingdom of God. And, and you know, it's head of household in the sense that parish is a family unit. And we don't usually think of that. We're such an individualized uh, uh, religious uh, identity society. You know, I, I'll have my own spiritual path. I'll, I'll figure out my own journey on my own. And we have come from the basic tradition of uh, there is a family I belong to, and it's the parish family, and this is where my marriages, my baptisms, my burials happen, and where I worship together every weekend. Mm-hmm. So who's the pater familias, the, the father of the family, you know, the bishop-appointed pastor? Um, you know, a lot of people will greet me saying, hi, pastor, and I, I really treasure that, too, because Pope uh, John Paul uh, and... and uh, St. John Paul II and our present Holy Father have have often used that word of pastor because it, it fundamentally means shepherd. Uh, it's very good. I'm always just a little curious if, if they're using it as a substitute for father because I think, you know, they're equal, but uh, but I don't pursue it unless they pursue it. All right, 877-795-0122. Let me say that again. <laughs> I said that really fast. 877 877- Seven nine five zero one two two. If you want to call in and have Father Michael Wensing answer your question, he is the pastor at again. Give me the parish. Holy Name of Jesus. Holy Name of Jesus Parish in in uh, Watertown, South Dakota. Here, just down the road, thirty-five miles. You said. Yeah. And uh, so, Father Michael Wensing will ask you qu- answer your question at eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, or send it in on Facebook. You know, I I, I teach confirmation back at my home parish and. And sometimes I'll have a class just devoted to, like we're doing right now on the on on the radio, where people, the kids can just ask me whatever's on their mind, and I always call it stump the deacon, <laughs> and maybe straight talk might m- meld into stump the priest. I don't know, but here's a question that I go and I, I do um, um, home visits as a deacon, and I, it's one of the greatest blessings I have. And there's this group of people that are I call them my 44 step church. I have to go up 44 steps to get to their high-rise apartment. And there's, there's five of us that gather. We do the readings. And then we talk and we receive communion. Then we talk about spiritual things. And they just ask such great questions. So this, this last Saturday morning I was there, and one of the guys says, Hey, what's the deal on Pope Francis and the translation of the Our Father? And I thought, that might be a good thing to ask. I gave my feeble response as I could, but what's your tr- what's your take on that, Father Mike? I've, I've always wondered, you know, as you meditate on the Lord's Prayer, that's always kind of a tricky mental thing when you get to lead us not into temptation. Big part of the problem is we inherited the original English translations Translation. of the Bible from the British, uh, in the English uh, people. Uh, I mean, even the early church, Douay Reims translating the Vulgate, and it was British influence. And we've received a number of, of the translations with British influence, and, and, and we did not uh, we did not seem to react so uh, as I would say uh, confusedly when uh, we had for centuries uh, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. 
and we were finally uh, told that the better translation is the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which segued into the Mass now, the Lord be with you and with your spirit, et cum spiritu tu. So, you know, we said, wow, that was just kind of a, a, not an American uh, or English translation of the modern world to say ghost instead of spirit. And we did the segue, better translation. And I I do believe the Holy Father is is correct. I had to go back to my... uh, grammar in Hebrew and Greek, the Greek one especially, of course, uh, because Jesus probably prayed the prayer in Aramaic, and there are some uh, variant texts in, uh, in Syria of Aramaic and, and ancient Hebrew that does give variant uh, translations. But it, but he uh, grew up and, and preached and was archbishop and, and cardinal in Argentina, where Spanish is prominent. If you look at the Latin American Bible and all the Spanish prayers in that part of the world, it's no, no nos dejas caer en tentacione. Do not us, allow us to fall into temptation. So why is the English translation different than the Spanish? Mm. They come from the original uh, language, the Greek New Testament. So that's why I was looking up the grammar. And it, it is, in the uh, breakdown of the original word, they showed that uh, the, uh, the, uh, the verb, like most languages, it's hard to translate literally into another language. But the, uh, the grammatical people uh, in, in uh, commenting on that particular verb in Greek, uh, of we call it lead or do not allow, or is, is you have the option, mm. allow or lead. And so the Spanish took, and, and many other languages, many other church Bibles throughout the world, we have you know thousands of translations now, but it all goes back to the original text, uh, Matthew, uh, the uh, end of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Lord's Prayer, and uh, we, like I told my people in, in a couple of weeks ago at, at Holy Name, at uh, Sunday Homily, I said, you know, sometimes we have to change what we inherited from the old British understanding of translation and, uh, and look at the original language. Do not allow us, and I've had some lay people come up to me since then, says, you know, in my private prayer, I'm starting already to pray, uh, do not allow us to fall into temptation. Mm-hmm. So it, it's pretty much an English thing because the Spanish, the Italians, they're all going to say, the Portuguese are going to say, what, what is he talking about? I guess that must be their language. Oh, yeah. We have no trouble. We're pray, already praying, do not allow us to fall into temptation, right. you know, if they translate from the Spanish and Italian I- into English. I was talking to a Protestant brother of mine, a friend, and he said, you know, that actually, that actually makes sense, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to get my Protestant friend to agree with the Pope. That's kind of a big deal. There you go. You're listening to the voice of Father Michael Wenzing and then also Deacon Paul Trinan. This is Steve Sponskowski. We're coming to you live from the Abbey of the Hills in, in Marvin, South Dakota. And your question is up next at 877-795-0122. I've got a, a Tanya on the, on the phone here from Minnesota. Tanya, what's your question? Um, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I had a question about the Gospel on Sunday where uh, it talks about Jesus uh, invite uh, one of the apostles or disciples um, to follow him, and they talk about, you know, can I go back and say goodbye to my folks? And Jesus talks about, you know, when you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. So I, I was just wondering if I could get the explanation of, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that Jesus wasn't against him going back and saying goodbye to his folks, uh, or maybe he was. I don't know. I was wondering if you could kind of give me like a, a historical context, and like, a, is there like a deeper meaning in that, uh, just so I can kind of like understand that a little bit better. <laughs> 
You know, there's a lot of uh, things mixed in there. The metaphor of agriculture and uh, being a, a product of uh, a South Dakota farm. Back in the days when we actually did moldboard plowing or had to cultivate our corn, uh, one thing Dad taught us, don't look back. You're going to rip out a whole row of corn when you're cultivating. You're going to focus, focus, focus. Uh, and uh, and I, I was thinking that Sunday, I didn't preach on it to tell the people, I think gradually more of our people were just using no-till, and, and uh, they, they don't understand the agricultural image of focus, focus, uh, dedicate. If you look back and, and think, well, I wish... Back, I wish I could go back and you know live this. This is a little tough. Uh, this focus, total focus. So, but it helps us understand that Jesus says you're giving of yourself to the kingdom of God to follow Him is a total reality, and he uses some real human examples. You know, burying my father or, or going back and say goodbye. But sometimes Jesus speaks in hyperbole too, which means uh, are you using it as an excuse to dawdle, to look back? to uh, not focus and not follow, you'll lose sight of me because I'm still moving. Are you going to move with me? Because by the time you do that, you won't even know where I'm at. I'm going through the villages, etc. I'm moving on to. And then, of course, he knew his time was short, and even their time was going to be short. St. Peter's, you know, and, and Andrew, they had to leave their father and move right away with him. Later, after the resurrection, guess what they're doing? They went back to fishing. Uh, they dug out the, the boats from the mothballs, and, and they don't say if their father's still alive or if they've buried him, but, you know, there's going to be a chance you're going to have a reunion in the end, all of us, uh, ultimate goodbyes when we uh, are in the kingdom of God together. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we can explore more layers of this, but that's, that's my take on it right now. That's good. Does okay. that answer your question? Yeah, thanks. And uh, right. Tanya is also calling from a tractor right now, so she's such a connection. It's funny that you say that, Father, because I'm, I'm I'm mowing a road ditch, and and rule number one is always look back. Yeah. Well, good thing Jesus. Good thing Jesus didn't say mowing; he said plowing. So, exactly. <laughs> yes. so, so I guess mowers are supposed to look Thank back, you, but if you're plowing, you're welcome. You're you're welcome. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Thanks, All right. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for that question. Your question also is up next at 877-795-0122, or you can send it in on Facebook. Here's a, a note from somebody saying, uh, people are nominating their priests on Facebook this morning with several of them talking about the great spiritual examples of those priests. Can you speak to how the spiritual spirituality of the priesthood can lead others to wanting a closer relationship with Jesus? Well, you know, you have to live by example and uh, and I, and by presence. Um, I came back to the community where I was uh, where I was born and uh, raised, and I remember when the bishop assigned me to Watertown. I said, "You know, this is great because I do want to take care of my parents." I said, "But I'm fearful that it might be like Nazareth. You know, they might throw me off Holy Name Hill. You know, uh, <laughs> because I have too many cousins, etc." That has been a great aid, of course. People. Uh, my cousins are introducing me to people. So I, I found that I can't be in a rush like I tend to be when I go to the grocery store. I can't be. I mean, you preach from the pulpit. You do everything with fervent uh, desire and, and uh, zeal when you're doing the sacraments. But just presence when you're doing little things like grocery shopping, uh, going out at the hardware store. Always be ready to pause. Smile. And then and, 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 and people, uh, if you pause and they see you aren't, uh, you know, bullet driven to get through the checkout line then they start talking 
So that's part of the spirituality. I think Pope Francis is so good about the smell of the sheep, you said, Deacon Paul, is that you just kind of stand in the midst of the flock sometimes and have that presence, which is a learning curve for me because anyone who knows me, I'm a purpose-driven life guy, and and I've had to readapt to to slow down. But to have that intentional, that intentional pause built into your day and that that's inspiring because i i'm the same way and i get that from you steve you know you talked about we're going to move boldly ahead we can do that but to build in time for the holy spirit to bring these people that's right and and and, you know you said how spirituality of priests helped other people in their spirituality well this is a call for all the baptized to pause uh, for the person in front of you, because so many of us, you know, are stuck on the iPhone. I mm-hmm. see that all the time. Oh, hi, hi there. Okay, I'm, I, I'm taking this text. Okay, you know, just kind of waving at you like this, and with their head bent there. So I think it's a wake-up call for all of us, uh, baptized uh, throughout the land, not just priests. But that's a spirituality of presence. We need to reclaim presence with one another, uh, you know, because our, we can have the distraction of shopping. But even while we're shopping, I see people glued to that umbilical cord of their cell phone. You know, yeah. we do this thing through the the diocese of New Ulm, where our bishop, Bishop John Lavore, does a hope and healing service. And we just had one in Madison, South Dakota, um, a couple of Fridays ago. And he brought this out and said that everybody, everybody, radio hosts, deacons, everybody is wounded. Everybody's wounded. And they need to see Christ in us. And if we're going like you're saying, Father, and we're looking at our handheld and we're just buzzing through the line or buzzing, Christ isn't present to them, is he? No, and as you said a moment ago too, and you're personally not allowing the Holy Spirit to kind of give you an intuitive idea. This this person is uh, needs my presence, or is kind of looking just as high and is moving on. But always, sometimes they'll say, ask the question or small conversation. It starts uh, a relational uh, connection. Oh, it's great. Your question is up next on eight at eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. We're here for you to answer any of your questions and love to chat with you. So eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two on Straight Talk. You can also join us on Facebook at Real Presence Radio. We have a question on the phone here from Francesca in Holly. Francesca, how are you this morning? Um, I'm good. <laughs> you have a question for Father Wensing? Yes. Go ahead. Um, I was wondering if when Adam and stuff, when they lived, when they lived a really long time, if their calendar was the same as ours is today. So you're talking about how, like in Scripture, it says Adam was almost a thousand years old and <laughs> Moses was 800 and something years old. So, Father, so how yeah. do we understand that? Well, you know, in the first 11 chapters of, uh, of Genesis, often they call this the uh, prehistory, our story starts with Father Abraham. I mean, unless you have a Jewish people to tell the story, there was no storyteller. So around, the, you always say Abraham and his descendants around the campfire, it had to come to them to tell uh, the story of or- origins, the Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah, etc. Because there were no storytellers, no Jewish people, no chosen people yet, no one called uh, relating to the one God, monotheism. So once I had my students into that mentality, I said there were a lot of things that were highly symbolic. Once we just take the Arabic numeral system for granted, you know, but once a nephew gave me a great example when I was 
down in the basement in the farm, uh, you know, kind of a, our typical farm basement. It would get crickets in the summer because it was just unfinished, and we had a potato bin down there and everything. Uncle Mike, oh my, there's a zillion crickets now. He said, now, Cody, you've learned to count. I mean, let's start counting. There was 13 crickets. <laughs> but he that was a huge number to him, a zillion crickets. And before he had a real concept of eternal life uh, beyond earth, because in early scriptures, they believed in God, but your blessing and your heaven and your reward came here because you're kind of in a zombie shadowy existence after you died. I mean, it was a long time before, uh, you know, the idea of resurrection, obviously, all the way to the New Testament. But, you know, it just starts in the Book of Wisdom and with Maccabees, uh, the whole uh, faith in the resurrection. In the early years, you a proclamation of a person's long life on earth was really proclaiming God's blessing mm. on you. And you have to say there was, yes, a, impre, they, they didn't have the precision mathematics we have. So a lot of these were like uh, like we have in Jesus's parables, metaphor. Uh, we have symbolic uh, numbers or like my nephew. He wasn't lying one bit. He was telling the truth. To him, it was a perception of a zillion crickets. And you know, to them, it says, he really lived a long life. God blessed him. How long? I don't know, a zillion years. I mean, so pretty soon they put some numbers to it, but it was a symbolic number because you were really rewarded here and more than in afterlife. In your children, see your children to the third and fourth generation and to die in the land the Lord God had given you. Those were the two profound blessings uh, from heaven uh, to a faithful follower of the covenant. And so uh, it was so good. You know, that's what Joseph said when he was dying in Egypt. He said to his descendants, the 12 tribes, sons, he said, be sure to take my bones up. Or Jacob said that. And then Joseph later did that uh, for his father, Jacob, to say he could be buried in the land that God gave us. Yeah, that was a big, big, big deal. So I'm saying to our, our questioner that uh, you have to say some of these numbers are symbolic in earliest chapters of Genesis, uh, representing a truth. We say that Scripture always teaches truth. And what's the truth? That God does bless faithfulness. So we don't honor in the West as much as the uh, Eastern Church honors Saint Adam and Eve, you know. Uh, they uh, always have uh, that uh, day uh, before Christmas mm -hmm. as the redemptive day for Adam and Eve when Jesus descended among the dead. He uh, uh, first uh, gave them the chance to come to belief in him, their descendant, and that they celebrate that they did, you know. So uh, their, their redemption. So no matter how long Adam and Eve lived on earth, uh, in the end it was about them coming to faith in Jesus as well. Absolutely. So Francesca, does that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for calling in. Have a good day. I love Thanks. it. Okay, bye-bye. All right, so your question at 877-795-0122. We've got about four and a half minutes for your question with Father Michael Wensing. And uh, we're coming to you live from Abbey of the Hills here in Marvin, South Dakota. And uh, Steve Splinskowski here along with Deacon Paul Trinan. And uh, we're taking your calls at 877-795-0122. So uh, if, if nobody's called in just yet, I've got a question for you in between. So, Father... I, I'm, I was talking to Steve and to, to Brandon off air. I got the opportunity of a lifetime to go overseas and visit a brother of mine who's in Russia. We're also going to stop in Poland, Steve's <laughs> home country, and, and visit some sites there. But 
they're in 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 Russia. They're a member of the Eastern Orthodox Church versus us, and Poland that's Roman Catholic. I get a lot of questions about the difference between the two, and we don't only have a short amount of time. But in a nutshell, can you explain to the folks the difference between the Eastern Orthodox Catholic Church? Right. And the Roman Catholic Church. The, the, the ones that are in union with the Pope are called Uniate. And, you know, there's a variety of, uh, of like the Byzantine, the Ukrainian, mm -hmm. that are they're a minority, obviously, from the official Russian Orthodox, who uh, their spiritual leader is the Patriarch of Moscow, you know. Yeah. And they all uh, say that they're, uh, whether it's the Greeks or the Russians, that take a medical patriarch is the, is the Pope of the East, of you know, would have been a descendant of Constantinople, now Istanbul, but in any event, um, the uh, the many are 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 those who have converted back. Some stayed faithful from the from the time of the breakup back, I believe, ten fifty four, with the great schism of the East and the West. And there's always been a, a minority, but they wanted to worship in the same rite that all their brothers and sisters worshipped in. Uh, there are 23 rites in the church. We always think the Latin rite, it's the majority, it's the largest, but there's the Coptic rite and the Byzantine rite, Carpathian and, and the Malachite rite, etc. Mm. And and so, to uh, when I was in Rome, I sometimes would say Mass with my classmate in the Scripture. He was Byzantine out of Pennsylvania, and it was, I mean, it, it, it's sometimes it's almost indistinguishable. A lot of incense, a lot of icons, lot iconostasis, icons. A, a dividing wall between you and and the Holy of Holies where the Eucharist takes place. And they come out to the open door with incense and to bless people with Holy Communion before they receive. It was it's beautiful. I mean, it, but it's it's a, a style that uh, I remember once when you know, I was in St. Paul Seminary and they brought in a Byzantine priest to say a Mass for the seminarian so he could be exposed the other right to the other rights and so many seminarians says that wasn't legit was it <laughs> they were all going back and a professor says it was just as legit as our mass mm. it is mass mm. it's in this right so we have to we have to give great tribute to those who in a minority situation in a very political climate whether yeah. it's russia ukraine or uh, eastern poland etc who stayed faithful believing in the unity of the church under the holy father so i have a question here uh, it was written in father it says uh, in the wedding feast of cana uh, Mary is addressed as woman when Jesus says, woman, what is this concern of yours? Why does he say woman instead of mother? <laughs> yeah, yeah, mother. <laughs> That's a good one. That, well, it is. I you mean, could get I, yourself into some trouble I here. could. I, yeah, yeah, I'd I'd like to see him squirm. More carefully in <laughs> this one. But, you know, it was a, it's not so much a term of respect. It's almost, in our culture, it's almost, if I said that to someone in my family, to a sister or a mother, even if a husband says it to a wife, it's kind of a put down. But it was a high level of, uh, of uh, dignity. It was a title, uh, 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 a dignified title. Okay. And, uh, but, you know, it, it might even, um, even the book of Revelations later, as we see, talks about the woman clothed, you know, uh, with the sun and, and, and the stars referring to Mary. So it became uh, an ideal title that this was the woman of women. Uh, and as we say, the, the example of all women. But so they used to, giving this, uh, what I call ancient dignified title, he didn't just want it to be a, just me and you. He wanted to actually sh hold her up as a, as a model for others. So calling her woman, that would, would seem to be a distancing from him was actually uh, yeah, giving her a broader dignity uh, for 
future revelation for all of us. Absolutely. Good. Wonderful. Uh, You were just hearing Father Michael Wensing speaking. He's the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Watertown, South Dakota. Father, thank you for that. Thank you for being with us. You're welcome. All right. Thank you for those who called in and wrote in your questions. Reminder that we have a segment up next, uh, Central Time, Monday through Friday up next. We are going to be talking with uh, Bridget Klusner from Rochester, Winona area. And later in the show, you're going to get in some fun events. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Real Presence Live.